What a hope we have. I'm going to take my scripture from the book of Hebrews chapter 10. It goes right along with what we just heard here. We'll do verses 35 and 36 to start with. Hebrews 10:35. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. I, uh, I found myself looking at that word confidence. And uh, so the original language that this is from, the word confidence means frankness, bluntness, or boldness with assurance. Makes me think of a testimony. When we have, when we've had an experience and we know we've lived it, we're confident. Uh, the way we express it, uh, we, there's no doubt in our mind it's happened. And we, we can express it with, with great boldness. A confidence in it, uh, the English word means the quality or state of being certain. We like that. We like to be certain. No one likes to, to wonder or have doubts. Uh, unfortunately, that's kind of the uh, human condition. But when we can be certain, we enjoy that very much. <clears throat> I, as a parent, I remember the, the confidence my children had when they would, you just tell them to jump and they would jump. There's no second thought. Uh, there was just a complete trust and faith and confidence that you would catch them. And as they get older, they're not so sure about that. Uh, and, and that's just, again, the human condition, I suppose. But how do we gain confidence in something in the natural? So there's this, as a, as a teacher, that is something that I try to instill in my students, is to, be, to gain confidence in what they're trying to accomplish. And, of course, my first word out of my mouth is always practice. Practice, repetition practice, of course, practicing correctly. Don't practice it incorrectly. You're wasting your time. And, and the idea that there's repetition involved, forming a, hab a good habit. Um, and, and doing those things will, over time, uh, a person will gain confidence in what they're trying to accomplish. There's even been research on this. Uh, there's this, this rule out there now that's, that's called the 10,000-hour rule. Has anyone heard of that? If you... If you uh, so it's based on research suggesting that practice is the essence of genius. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell popularized the idea that 10,000 hours of appropriately guided practice was the magic number of greatness, regardless of a person's natural aptitude. Uh, with enough practice, he claimed in his book, Outliers, anyone could achieve a level of proficiency that would rival that of a professional. It was just a matter of putting in the time. Of course, there's been a lot of people that have disagreed with this. And uh, I'm not sure I agree with it either. But the idea that if you put in uh, the, the time and it's guided and it's, you're doing those things, you are going to get confident with whatever you're doing, even if you're not as talented as someone else. So where does this confidence come from spiritually then? I mean, I know when I came into the church for the first time, I didn't know what salvation was. 
I knew who Jesus Christ was. I knew he died on the cross. I knew he rose again. I knew a lot of things. But when it came to salvation, I, I was, I didn't know. I didn't know what it was. And I found myself coming to services, seeking the answers, I guess you could say. But one day, I didn't know much more, but I knew I needed it. But I wasn't confident in how to, except that I was hearing, you could pray a prayer and the Lord would save you. So my confidence was based on testimonies, emphatic testimonies. And I, I went to pray. And someone came beside me and prayed with me, which was certainly a help. And I even left this place knowing something had happened, but wondering what it really was. But within a week, even 24 hours, I realized that I was different. And when you realize that, that that simple faith can make that big of a change, that's, that is, that's, comp, that is a huge amount of confidence that, that, that grows immediately in your heart. That miracle of conversion uh, is something we can't get away from. And so we hear that we should not cast away, therefore, our confidence. Why would we? Well, if you read the verses prior, he's talking about all the difficulties that we go through. There's challenges. And if we don't stay close to the Lord, we could cast it away. Get our eyes on the wrong things. We tend to, we tend to be forgetful. We tend to wander like we heard last Sunday night. We start going after those tufts of grass instead of staying in the Word. We could cast it away. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. So how, how do we walk spiritually and not cast away our confidence? The, another word came to my mind, and that is that we need to abide. I, I love John 15. And then immediately came to my mind as I was reading this, it said, because it says, for we have need in verse 36, for you have need of patience. You got to wait. You got to hold on. We need to abide. And so uh, the original word for abide that we find in John 15 is to stay in a given place, state, relation, or expense, expectancy. So, we, we stay where we've, where, where we are. So you get saved and we stay there. We stay close to the Lord and we have an expectancy. We expect that hope that we just heard sung about. We, we, we want to make heaven and we have this, this hope, uh, and we hold on to the hope and we stay close to that hope. To abide means to continue, to dwell, to endure, to be present to remain, to stand, and to tarry. We've heard a lot of these words around here. Abide's a good word. It means to remain stable or fixed in a state, to continue in a place. Let's take a look at John 15. 
We'll start at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that he may that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. We've uh, heard about this a lot, and we think about the branch and the vine, and they call that grafting. Am I wrong? Is that grafting when they put? Yeah. Okay. So I looked that up. Isn't Google amazing? So I found something on Google that it says. Six simple steps to understanding grafting. And it needs to be simple or I won't get it. But it's amazing what they do. And I think it's a really good picture of what it means to be grafted into the gospel. To be grafted into Christ. And so you take the main stem and you have to cut uh, into the bark and create these little slices and kind of cut deep enough where you get to where it's called the... I don't know what it's called. We'll call it the pulp because I have no better word for it. So that, that you, you get in there and then you spread that open. Then you put the you take the other part and you cut four slices that way. And then you put them in so that they, they match. Pretty exciting isn't it, so far, isn't it? And so you put them in and they match. And then you wrap the root part around the branch. It wraps around. And then you put a rubber band, and then you put plastic around it to protect it. So it, the idea of being grafted into the vine, Jesus Christ wraps his arms around us, and he holds on to us. We talk about putting our hand in his, he's holding on to us. And then the amazing part to me was within 15 to 30 days, there's fruit. On the new part. That's amazing. I learned something new. It was great. But when you take that and you apply it to the gospel, He is the vine. We are the branches. And when we ask the Lord into our heart, we get saved. He, we are literally put into that branch. The branch is put in the vine. The vine is put around us and holds us tight. And the fruit that we produce is not of our own. It's of Christ. Cast not away your confidence. Cast not away your confidence. Think about a couple examples in, in the Bible. We have Hezekiah. 
So Hezekiah began to reign in Judah at the age of 25. And we're going to, I'm going to turn to 2 Kings chapter 18 so we can hear about kind of how he got his start. So in verse 18, we can read, starting at verse 3, this is Hezekiah, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. He removed the high places. Judah was in a bad state when Hezekiah became king. He had to do some cleaning up. He removed the high places and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it. And he called it Nushtan. He trusted the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. That's quite a statement. So we have Hezekiah. He claved to the Lord and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and served him not. Hezekiah was grafted in. Hezekiah knew where his strength came from. Hezekiah loved God. And he not only did wanted to serve the Lord himself, but he wanted to see the, the entire nation of, of Judah following the Lord, as they should be. And as we go along, this uh, king of Assyria starts to become a problem. He's conquering all the nations around Israel and Judah, and now it's their turn, as far as the king of Assyria is concerned. And he starts sending messengers and blaspheming God. Your God's not going to help you. Look, the gods of all these other nations didn't help them. You're next. Why don't you just give up? Don't listen to Hezekiah. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And I'm paraphrasing, by the way. That's not what it isn't exactly what it says. So then they send a letter. And this letter, it just, it's horrible. And Hezekiah receives a letter. Does he cast away his confidence? The answer is no. Let's take a look at chapter 19. We're going to start at four, verse 14. And Hezekiah received the letter of the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. Amen. Didn't even think twice. I can't handle this, but I know who can. And Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord God of Israel, which dwellest between the cherubims, thou art the God, even thou alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. Thou hast made heaven and earth. Lord, bow down thine ear and hear. Open, Lord, thine eyes and see, and hear the words of Sennacherib, which hath sent him to reproach the living God. Of a truth, Lord, the kings of Assyria have destroyed the nations in their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they have destroyed them. Now, therefore, O Lord our God, I beseech thee, save thou us out of his hand, 
that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that thou art the Lord God, even thou only. He did not cast away his confidence. He was grafted. He, he's trusted the Lord. He sought the Lord. And with that confidence, that confidence didn't come from just, oh, I got a letter. That confidence came back from when he was 25 and started out. The confidence had started before he even became king. It was an immediate change he made in the in that country. It wasn't like, well, what should I do now? He saw the problem before he even became king. Well, I thought of another one. How about David? Has anybody here heard of David? We're going to look at 1733. Because sometimes people will try to take, try to discourage you. And, and cause the confidence you have to make you think twice about it. And that's exactly what happens here. Because Saul, so David, he's ready to take on Goliath. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go. You can't do it. Who do you think you are, David? Go back to your, your herds or whatever you were doing. Flocks. Sorry, I said it too. Flocks of sheep, Yes. Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Did David walk off and say, well, you're right? No. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth, And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. You know, this this confidence, it it begins to be something more than just something that helps us along. Uh, It begins to be something that others see. People begin to realize there's something about this person. There's something about you that's different. Well, what is it? Well, I have confidence in the Lord. I have confidence in God. He made a difference. He changed my life. And we can say that with confidence because it's true. I want to go back to Hebrews again. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Recompense, compensation for service rendered. You know, all that he's asking us to do is to not cast away our confidence. Our confidence in the Lord is the service. Because really, we can't do anything without him. I read that in John. Without him, we can do nothing. The confidence that we have in God is priceless. It's heavenly gain. There's great recompense of reward. 
A few verses earlier in this same chapter, if we go back to chapter uh, 10, verse 28, it talks about recompense in a different way. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite unto the spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Recompense works both ways. We've heard from the pulpit, we have a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Nothing's changed. There are two choices. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a choice to be made. I'm going to finish Hebrews, the 10th chapter. There's two more verses, but I'll start at 35 one more time. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of award. For ye have need of patience that, ye, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he shall come. He, sorry, and he that shall come, will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Jesus is coming soon. It says that he will not tarry, but he is right now. The gates of mercy are still open. It's an opportunity today. If you're someone here today that has not experienced the love of God in a way that changes your life, to, to gain that confidence that we've been talking about tonight, tonight is a great opportunity. Tonight is an opportunity to realize the power of God in your own life. To gain the confidence in Jesus Christ that you need for every day in this life. If you're a saint of God, abide. Abide. That's the word. We want to abide in Christ until He comes. We don't want to cast away the confidence that He has given us. We have confidence in Jesus Christ because He's made a change in our life that's real. He can sanctify. Why? How do we know that? Because He saved you. Why wouldn't He sanctify you? He can fill you with the Holy Ghost. He can heal. He, can, he, he has every answer we need. Health, financial, emotional, physical, anything. How do we know that? Because we're not going to cast away our confidence. We're going to abide in Christ and allow Him to have His way so whatever your need is tonight, we have an opportunity. The song is 638. Won't you come and pray?